This is an exciting episode tonight because we are 100% Glenn-free tonight. It's the best news I've heard all day. This may be the chance for the podcast to really finally take off and start building an audience. If this, if this doesn't do it, if this doesn't give it a significant boost, I don't know what will. But apparently Glenn, it's been two weeks since his last vacation, so he couldn't bear to stay in town for another week. And luckily, Point Break Dave and I felt like there was just too much going on to let things sit while Glenn's expansive travel schedule got in the way. You know, sometimes things happen like quality TV that just must be talked about. They can't wait for vacations to uh, resolve themselves before it gets started. So I'll introduce myself. I'm Tommy2 underscore zero on Twitter. And I am Point Break Dave, Point Break underscore Dave on Twitter. I gotta commend you, Dave. I, I got bored for a little bit earlier today and I just was flipping through Twitter, and I, I happened to see that you had gotten a whole group of people drawn highly offsides over your polarizing views on rent to own. Well, sometimes there's people out there that are taking shots, making disparaging remarks against Rent-A-Center, and as a loyal customer, um, I'm not going to let that stand. I will police the internet to make sure that uh, someone stands up for Rent-A-Center. As someone who's rented to own every piece of furniture and electronics in your house, I'd expect nothing less. Well, let me clarify. That's the <coughs> that's the plan. I've never actually completed the owning step. You're still in the two step. Yeah, we're, we're getting there. We're getting close. <laughs> but those guys were mad today. There's a couple of guys that, 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 were, that were ready to just completely throw down with you. You know, the fact that there's... So against Raton makes me think I'm on to something. <laughs> I may be a genius. I believe that I believe that it, after about twelve or fifteen tweets that you were screaming at a guy to, that he doesn't understand opportunity costs. Opportunity costs are uh, important. You see, you go out and you pay you know fifteen hundred for a TV, then you know you're down fifteen hundred. Or you can rent the same TV for nine dollars a week. And then, you know, you have almost all that money to uh, put on DraftKings and parlay into even more money. It makes perfect sense to me. And, I mean, it's logically sound. The, uh, the uh, internet people didn't quite understand it, but I stand by it. Speak, that was a very old man sounding thing to say, the internet people. Speaking, well, there's no uh, polite way to uh, name those people I was dealing with today. Speaking of money, you... you uh, because of all that extra money you had on hand from Rent to Own, you, you made some pretty bold claims earlier this week that I feel like we swatted back to half court. I feel like you made a bold claim, and um, I could uh, I think we could get a jury of uh, people in here, and they would all side with me that I won this bet. All I said was that Sonic America's Drive-In, at one time... Wow, you are already changing your story. You said Sonic you, you said Sonic has tacos, as in you can go and order tacos at Sonic, and I, as someone who frequents Sonic, know that is not true. I pulled up their menu on their website and showed you it wasn't true, and you found someone that said in 
small town Texas eight years ago, there was one Sonic that accidentally made a taco one day. I have eaten a taco at Sonic. You said... That you ordered at Jack in the Box and then drove to Sonic and ate. (laughs) What you said is that you would stake your entire net worth that Sonic didn't serve tacos. Serve is present tense. Served is not necessarily present tense. It is in this case. I have had a taco at Sonic and I feel like through several message boards and other slightly disreputable websites, I was able to prove to you beyond any person's reasonable doubt that Sonic at one point or another did serve tacos, and I've had one before. That was not on if they in the past had ever served tacos. I wouldn't, I wouldn't take that bet because I don't have a knowledge of everything they've ever served in the lifetime of the restaurant. I just know currently when I go to Sonic that tacos are on the menu. <laughs> they should bring them back. They were pretty good. They were, they were just like those Jack in the Box tacos. Oh, Jack in the Box tacos are solid. Well, I was thinking, <laughs> oh, <laughs> like every bathroom visit afterwards. I saw that gleam in your eye. It's, we didn't make it three minutes in without mentioning diarrhea. Speaking of, the Olympics are a couple weeks away. Yeah, that's gonna be. That's gonna be. But before the Olympics, before the Olympics started, we did have a big sporting event that took would, place. Before that, I would like to say, I was always the under the impression that you could not. In the U.S., anyways, bet on the Olympics. I thought it was just a, you know, for the integrity of the, you know. I think that is the case. And I was in Vegas last week, and they had betting sheets on the Rio Olympics. On individual sports? I have no idea. I didn't okay. look closely. I, I could maybe see basketball, maybe even golf, which I guess is an individual sport. But I'm, are you saying you could bet on, like, the discus throw? I have no idea. Over, under, on distance. That would be awesome. Could you bet if somebody was doing a pole vault and <laughs> things didn't go particularly well and they might have, they should have had an anal intrusion or something like that? I don't know. They should have, like, uh, in-game betting in baseball. They should have that for gymnastics. And you can just bet if they're going to fall off the beam, like, while it's happening. Or if they're going to get, like, right to the floor exercise and then completely tank it. Yeah. Like they're gonna be right, right there in the flex size, and they're gonna step over that white line, just kind of. It's a game of inches, man. It's a game of inches. <laughs> kind of shift the landing, but no. Where I was going before we we got derailed on betting on the floor exercise was, you're gonna have to explain this to me, but apparently the WWE had a draft. They did. So a fake sport. I'm yeah. sorry. Don't hit me. It, it's sports entertainment, sir. So was the draft completely contrived and scripted out, or was it an actual live draft with people trying to outsmart each other? Um, I mean, I'm not in the room with Vince and Shane and Stephanie. Can you imagine if you were, though? That would be great. The fact that I'm not on their payroll is a travesty. But I, um, I mean, I'm sure every... Everything is scripted. The order, the you know how they line up the rosters. So we'll take a step back because I really am out of touch with wrestling. So why why are they even doing a, a draft? What is that about? Well, I mean, I think the honestly, I think it's a good move. I think it ne- needed to happen. Um, so you think something that's never happened before in the history of wrestling, you just think it needed to happen, and you that was your idea that it needed to happen. You are out of touch because this is not the first time they've done oh, this. Okay. 
Yes. They've had the Raw SmackDown draft before. It's been a while, but they've had it. The problem with wrestling right now is there's no there's no competition. In the uh, the glory days of the Attitude Era in WWE, you know they were um, fighting for ratings with WCW and ECW, and now there's just nothing. I mean the WWE well, wants it all. They're going up against the Bachelor on Monday nights. Yeah, but I mean in their in the wrestling sports entertainment, I mean there's. New Japan Wrestling has a, a weekly show, but I mean, there's so... What channel is that on? You know, I honestly don't know. I've, I've, I want to say... You know, I, I, I can't think off the top of my head, but... A I, channel that you would get, though. Oh, yeah, I've okay. watched it before. <laughs> it's not like when you're checked into, like, the Wynn in Las Vegas, <laughs> and they have, like, 15 channels of, yeah, that you've never heard of before? No, you okay. can get it with normal cable in the United States of America. Um, but no, they just have they have no competition and then they because of that they have a you know inflated roster of talent and there's just not enough airtime to go around for everyone. So basically what they've done is they've always like the schedule of the WWE is they do shows Saturday, Sunday is usually a pay-per-view or some kind of house show, and then live Monday night for Raw, and then they do Tuesday night in a close nearby city, and that is what is taped for SmackDown and aired on Thursday. So You know way too much about this. Well, here's the thing. Here's what they're doing is they wanted to do smackdown live but they wanted to keep that schedule so the odd thing is now they have live raw on monday night and then the very next night they're going live on smackdown on that'll Tuesday never night. work it's it's a bold move to have them back to back but they didn't want to change that four day three day off schedule surely some somebody somewhere has said you can that it is possible to have too much wrestling they're gonna find out they're gonna find out and i mean the the draft was weird, um, just because. So, but it was only you're only there's only two teams drafting. There's it was two, either the Monday night team or the Tuesday night. There's two brands, is what they're calling it. Okay. And Stephanie's running one with Mick Foley as the commissioner. Okay. And slightly interested in that. Shane is running SmackDown with Daniel Bryant as the commissioner. And there's no crossover. Or they crossover on pay per views. They crossover on pay per views. Okay. And the unknown right now is if they're going to do, there's going to be two titles, like two all the way down, or is one, you know, is one brand going to have the tag titles and the other brand just doesn't have tag teams at all? But then they would have, I guess, they would have unified matches at some point? Yeah, I guess at the the pay-per-views and then the titles could go to the other So how do you build up heat between people if they're not on the same show? That's that's the problem. And it's it's really weird. Do you think Vince has thought of this? Like, or should we tweet him? Well, it's really weird because they have, like, I mean, obviously singles, there's plenty of talent, but, like, tag teams, and now they have, like, the women's division that they're pushing. And in the draw, like, they got split. Like, I kind of thought all the women would go to one brand and all the tag teams would go to one brand. But now you just have, like, you know, there was, like, eight known women wrestlers and others four on each brand so there's really not going to be Could, a lot of talent to go around they ended up even just by well 
Yes. <laughs> was Ric Flair's daughter the first woman taken? Dude, Ric Flair's daughter was taken like number four or something. Overall? Like, overall, like crazy. So like I'm before Cena, before Well, I'm assuming the Undertaker was number one. <laughs> <laughs> the Undertaker was not number so one. So is Junkyard Dog? <laughs> Junkyard Dog's been dead for years. Oh. I could guarantee you I could give you a million guesses and you would never come up with number one. Because uh, you don't even know his name. Isaac Yankum DDS. Isaac Yankum is Kane, sir. Is he still around? Yeah, he's still wrestling. Um, but no, it was Seth Rollins was the number one pick. Too. No idea. Yeah. Was that a good pick? Or was that a... Was that a uh... <laughs> it was a throwaway. <laughs> it was the Ruby Balls <laughs> Vince passed in the first round? No, but uh, one funny thing was I was... And we can move on from the draft after this, but... But I was... Hulk Hogan was second. <laughs> Solely for sex tapes. <laughs> no, but I was listening to a guy. It was actually a video podcast all about gosh. wrestling. Oh my gosh. So, as with anything, like the people that are too big of fans, whether it's wrestling or comics or Star Wars or whatever, like they're just a whole different breed of weird. And right. They basically know nothing about anything else in the world except that they're one obsession. But they did mock drafts. No, I didn't know if he did a mock draft. I was watching it post draft. He may have he may have had a big board, but he uh, he was talking about Asic. And the funny thing is, the guy obviously has no reference for normal sports. All he knows is wrestling. And he's like, "Yeah, he's like, this is gonna be great because, you know, the the most exciting thing in any major sport is the draft. You know, people are changing teams." <laughs> And then I'm wondering if he's just like mixing up free agency or if he really thinks it's like a fantasy draft. And every year. Every year they just draft like anyone you want off any team. That would be awesome. It would be great. But just hearing that like short-circuited me for a second, I was like, is this really what this guy thinks happens in baseball and basketball? So what you're saying is world's biggest wrestling fan may be out of touch with other normal mainstream sports. Absolutely. He had no clue. Wow. Well, I didn't mean to get us too derailed on wrestling, but... Hey, it's an important topic. It's an important topic and one that we apparently will be visiting over and over again on the show. If they ever do another draft, I'll do a whole segment. I'll get my my draft big board and, uh, you know, we can go through it and, you know, maybe, uh, maybe Shane will leak his draft board very Cowboys-like. <laughs> We'll have to worry about managing against the cap, I'm sure. That'll be the next thing. No, you don't. Oh, last thing. Is Sabu still around? Ah, if he is, he's not in any known. But I heard that uh, like a bunch of 80s wrestlers are getting a, like, I don't know if it's class action, but there's a bunch of them grouped together bringing a lawsuit against the WWE. Oh, no kidding. For CTE or head injuries or whatever. Oh, no kidding. Which hey, is tugboat in that? I think tugboat's still alive. <laughs> it's not tugboat. It's tugboat. <laughs> I go by Typhoon, sir. His later character change. But you know what's funny is, and it is sad because a lot of those guys got messed up. But for every one of them, there were a hundred dudes in like the minor leagues that took all the same abuse and never made any. Money. And they don't even have anybody to yeah, sue. They, they can't, the guy they're trying to sue is working at Renaissance right now. <laughs> Which there's nothing wrong with that. No, of course not. It's an admirable career choice. Absolutely. Yeah, well, I, we got derailed on wrestling, but the the reason I 
I, I called for a uh, Glenn-free podcast. Was emergency podcast. An emergency Glenn-free podcast was, my goodness, we, we've been totally sidetracked with the night of on HBO. Just absolutely terrific show. HBO, man, they just uh, they call their shot and they, they knock it out every time, it seems like. No, and it's funny, and I had not... I'm not uh, I'm not real big into just the overall entertainment scene, so I, I had not followed any build-up to this. I mean, it was pretty much... I think the pilot episode aired, and then three or four friends, you know, mentioned, it's like, hey, you need to get on this. I would see the, the ads for it leading into, you know, Game of Thrones or some other show, and the... The ads before it started were very, you know, very, uh, they weren't real detailed. You know, it just showed like a guy sitting in a cell or, you know, just real quick, uh, quick clips. And you, it kind of intrigued you enough to kind of look into it. And then, yeah, once, uh, once I started hearing good things, I jumped on. So the episode starts, so I, we're on it. We're, we're a couple of days after the, the pilot aired, but we're watching it. And, and you know, right from the, Get go! I'm digging the credits. It's gritty. It's got cool music. I see that they have James Gandolfini as an executive producer, and I'm immediately looking at my phone. I'm like, "Gosh, he's been dead for a while." You know. So what's going on here? Well, come to find out, I did a little bit of research, and this show was actually kind of his. They they said his passion project, which I guess that's kind of like a passion party, only it has to do with movies. I'm not exactly sure, but no, this was his baby. He he. Uh, wanted to bring this story to the air, and I guess it's kind of loosely based on a, a British show, and he actually was in it. They had filmed the uh, the pilot episode, which, and he was playing the character that, uh, he was playing Stone, the character that John is playing now, and then he passed away after they, um, I guess they'd filmed a little bit of it, and they had to go back and oh, reshoot really? with I, John Turturro. Yeah, I absolutely. Knew he was involved. But I didn't know they'd actually filmed anything with him. No, it, I mean, I, I think John Turturro so far has been great. But I mean, how wild would it have been for Tony Soprano to be back on HBO playing uh, the lawyer? Right? I mean, yeah. that's crazy. <laughs> and I wonder if they would have done the whole <laughs> eczema on the foot bit with him, <laughs> or if that was a uh, you know that's something Turturro's weird enough guy. He might have. Hey, I got a great idea. Just done that. That's I'm gonna true. carry a chopstick around with me to itch my eczema, and just freak people out and wear uh, Hebrew sandals all the time. I don't know, but it's weird because I mean, I don't have this in front of me, but like you said, Gandolfini died. I mean, it's been years. Yeah, it's been several years. Three, at least two or three years. Yeah, that's crazy that they started filming. In by the way, they should have known. They were on borrowed time with that guy. They should, oh, it's they should, a national treasure you're talking about. <laughs> they should be, you should have told them, like, we need to film this the next three months. Cause you're worried about some hardening of the arteries massive there? Massive heart failure was claiming him very soon. Wow. Wow, just trampling on the, on the still warm grave of a national treasure. There's no way his grave is still warm. <laughs> But the show starts, and and you kind of get to meet Nas, and apparently um, he's some kind of basketball sabermetrics ex- expert. He works with the basketball team. He's apparently doing deep stats for the basketball team. I'm not not exactly sure what that's about. I believe the quote was, "I'm kind of on the team." <laughs> he's kind of on the team. He's kind of on the team. But he's hanging out with some pretty cool brothers in the locker room, and they invite him to this party. 
And then, uh... You get the feeling that Nas doesn't go to a lot of parties because he's very intent on making this one. Yeah, but he does, you know, he, he seems like a kid that's trying to be good and do the right thing, but he seems like he has a little bit of worldliness to him, not not totally in front of his parents. So at that point, I'm going, oh my gosh, this this is Serial Season 1, right? That's what I was thinking, right? too. Because, so, uh, Jay was a, was a uh, black guy. Yes. So he's, you know... Uh, there's that parallel. There's the parallel of um, he's an Arab kid, much like Adnan. Yeah, and he's obviously leading a slightly different life than his parents are led to believe. Yes. So yeah, already already drawn the parallels to that. Um, his poor dad is driving this beat down taxi cab that he apparently owns with three other guys. Rento. <laughs> so he's he's on the Renaissance cab program. Those four guys don't make any money as it is. I'm assuming he has to chop it up three ways with, with, with I guess, or three ways, sharing it with two other guys. Yeah. That's beaten. So Nas is, Nas is ready to go to this party, and his other friend, who who didn't see him not showing up coming a mile away. Oh, yeah. That, that guy was bailing. <laughs> All talk. Yeah. He's bailing. And, and then Nas, who appears to do the right thing most of the time, decides it's, it's time to go full throttle. Let's go ahead and steal the car. Is it st- if it's stealing, if you take it from your dad, there's no way dad's saying yes if he asks. No, so, no. in that aspect, yeah. So he moves into the, he goes into the city, he has this weird interfacing where these two guys get in the cab and won't get out. Has that ever happened before? You know, I think, because it's in New York, is that correct? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, NYC. Yeah. Man, I think it's just a whole different culture out there. I bet that kind of, like... Fighting for cabs, like you hear stories about that. I think that's very. But real. if the cab driver says, "I'm not taking you," what are you gonna do? Just sit in the car and be like, "Well, I'm not leaving." So hey, man, they're they're playing a game of a uh, of chicken, of cab chicken, of cab chicken. And then uh, he's able to get those guys out. And then this, you know, and hey, she was pretty hot. Let's let's not bury no, the lead. There's here. nothing wrong with it. With nothing that. wrong with that. And um, wow, so that's where your that's where red flags start to go off for me. And I will say this just from because I don't know if you saw the the ads I was talking about, but there's definitely one that shows Nas sitting in jail. Like I knew at some point this so, was not going to go well. No, for and I think even if you didn't know that, like the way they keep showing him like walking on security cameras, like the way that whole night was shot, you you know it's, it has the on, ominous tone. Yep, and you're just seeing like you know him interfacing or doing things that would be remembered by you know eyewitnesses he's oh yeah on, the toll booth he's the, on security yeah. cameras and they would always show like they'd pan and show you the security you know monitor as he walks by and you're just like man this is not good like there's... so at this point we didn't feel like he was going to get lucky and then go home slide back into bed return the cab and uh no. go back to working on uh do they have war in basketball i don't know I don't think so. Okay, well, maybe they do. I don't know. I'm not a I'm not a basketball stats guy. You know what that reminded me of though? There was a show. Gosh, I mean, this was like this was like in our childhood wheelhouse, and it was it was a hidden camera show, and it was meant to uh, basically catch like cheating boyfriends. But they would like get in an elevator, and then this like hot woman would get in the elevator with him, and she would just start like coming on to him or try to kiss him or be like, "Hey, let's go to my hotel," and then. They would see what the guy would do, and then, like when they got off the well, excuse me, Whoa, when they Mark. exited the elevator, 
the you know their real girlfriend and the host would be there and and see how they did. Does this ring a bell at all? I mean, this is a, this is like a summertime, probably on Fox. I don't know. It, it all sounds like heavy entrapment to me. Yeah, but but this what made me think of that is so I'm, I remember watching that show thinking, you know, I've got to put the little mental note because I don't ever want to be the one caught acting out in the show. Which is, if I've lived my whole life. <laughs> And a hot girl's never tried to jump me in an elevator. If that suddenly happens one day, there's something wrong that's causing that to happen. So I'm not going to fall for it, right? I'm going to go, whoa, where's the camera or or whatever, right? Because that just doesn't happen. Well, I feel like that's that's the same logic Nas needed to be using. I, I, I agree. But at the same time, I mean, do you have... Are we going to get into theories? Yeah, no. Okay. I, I mean, I have theories, All but... Right, let's hear theories because... I don't think, in the beginning, I don't think the girl had certainly not nefarious intentions with, like, how badly it ended up. No, but she she had a screw loose, and she had access to a whole pharmacy's worth of drugs. Yes. And something was going on with her, because who gets in a cab and says, just just take me anywhere, take me to the beach, whatever she said. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, one of one of the theories I have is because she, she had some weird line about like I don't want to be alone tonight or something. I think she was in danger from someone. Oh, okay. Because see, I perceive that as being in danger from herself. Oh, you see, man. But my, that makes more sense because is, she did end up getting brutally murdered. Yeah, uh, spoiler alert. Yes. <laughs> Which, by the way, I I mean I don't think this, but I think it's it's certainly not clear. That that couldn't have been him. In his I, altered state. I mean, let's. I mean, I don't want to jump way too far ahead, but my my really strong feeling there is there was so much blood in that room that had been all over that him. he would have had more on him. Yeah, I really don't think he did it. I mean, that would be a great twist if he did do it. Yeah, but I just don't see because, and I think they even go out of their way to show like that whatever animal head on the wall with the blood on it. I, I mean, there's. So much blood splattered about the room. I just don't see how he could have avoided it. Because he pretty much just had a little bit on his hand. From when he did stab her. <laughs> Listen, I don't care how drunk you are or what pills you take. If somebody asks you to play the knife game, <laughs> the answer is always no. You don't ever, ever play the knife. What, what is that? And they were doing it wrong, man. You have to, you have to go down the line. So you get in a rhythm of your fingers. You start on the outside and you go across. You can't. How do you? Know, is this something else you learned on Monday Night Raw? <laughs> I don't think they've ever done this. On no, Raw. he was coming like from a total bizarre angle, yeah, waylay. Yeah. You can't do it the way they were doing. And and she didn't even. Fl- he stuck the knife through her hand and she didn't even flinch. Dude, she was she was drugged. She up. was aroused by it. She was. But Dave, she was aroused <laughs> by it. Here's and so was I. <laughs> here's my theory is. And, of course, you know, we're just a couple episodes in, so... um, But, yeah, I think she was in danger. She may not have fully realized, and it very well could be drug-related. It could be boyfriend-related. Who knows? But the there was this scene where uh, Nas... Poor Nas. He's finally going to get lucky and... uh, allergies to cats almost uh and we're talking literal cats here almost (laughs) almost did them in and so she walks out 
and lets the uh, puts the cat out in the alley. Yeah, and that door stays open. If yeah, you notice. which yeah, which is if you're if you're the lawyer and you have all that, that's tons of reasonable doubt right yes. there. So yeah, when he passes out, it seems like there is plenty of time for whoever to come in the open alley door and. Man, that was a rough. That was a rough murder too, man. Oh, it was. And I know we've kind of jumped ahead to the murder, but I one other thing I, I had written down that I wanted to talk about was when they're walking up into the apartment. Bodie. He encounters Bodie, right? Bodie. But I think there's there were so many, and I'm sure that that some of it's intentional by the filmmakers, some of it's not. But there's so many gray reversals of stereotypes. Well, the first, the first one is well, yeah. Usually it's the African Americans are getting discriminated against. And in, in this case, they're doing the discriminating because he's an Arab. Yeah. And w- when did he decide to bow up? Like, he's meek the whole show, and then Bodhi shows up with his buddy, and now he's going to be like, what would you say? Yeah. That like, was... that's so out of character. He, I would be like, no, he walks inside, you know, he ignores it, it never happened. Yeah. And no, that, that, seemed like, that seemed like a really odd stance to take. In, a weird, in an odd time, because like, he's literally... 10 feet away from scoring with the hottest girl he's ever going to in his entire life, however long he lives. And he wants to turn around and maybe throw hands with Bodie in the middle of the street when he's outnumbered two yeah, to one. Yeah. And he's not even that big of a guy. No. No, that was a, a real poor choice. I think uh, abandoning that and walking away was probably the maybe the only smart thing he did that <laughs> night, to be honest. It was definitely smarter than uh, going inside and playing the knife game. Yeah, or stealing the cab or everything else. Yeah. Being uh, conspicuous in every uh, person he interacted with that whole night. Well, he made some terrible decisions after that. So, he, you know, we, we he he passes out, he wakes up, the fridge is open, he goes in there and he sees, like you said, just this just brutal murder scene that's just horrific. And yeah, everybody's going to freak out at that point, and I give him that. Why does he grab the knife? Why does he grab the drugs when he leaves? What's the what's the motivation for all these things? You know, I mean, it's just. And correct me, did he did he grab the knife when he left originally, or when he came back to get the keys? Well, no, I think I think what he did is he he booked it out of there so fast that he forgot his keys. Mm-hmm. Then he comes back in, but he's locked himself out. He breaks the door, which catches the eye of that neighbor who. Seedily looking out the window, anyways. Whatever's up with that, yeah. And then once he's back inside, I guess he takes a minute to catch his breath, and then thinks, "Well, and I, I'm." He's not smart enough to think like, "Okay, my fingerprints are on this knife." I don't think. I don't know what he's doing, and, and I don't know why he grabs the drugs because he, he's now putting all these incriminating pieces even closer to him. What? And I'm gonna skip ahead a second here, but first, and obviously he wasn't thinking straight in that moment. But when he leaves originally, and he gets out of the car, and he doesn't have the keys, I think you have to just keep walking at that point. I, I don't think you ever look back. I, no. I think I think you're I gone. I think it's way easier to explain your car being down the street than... And it's not even his car. Yeah, it's his dad's go car. Go back and break a window and go back in the house and... No, and the... Yeah. Yeah, and then the car had the ticket on it. I mean, there's all these all these bizarre things tying him to the scene. But yeah, I think I think at that point, I mean, really, if you if you're smart at that point, I think you you probably call the police and you say, oh, yeah. "Yeah, I don't know what happened." You start working the narrative in your favor immediately. And what was he doing at the police station? So 
they originally take him there for, um, I guess the cops found him and he was, you know, they thought he was high or whatever. I can't believe that female cop, I mean, I think the male cop's ready to cut him loose immediately. Which would have been a real, like, do they ever put it together if they cut him loose then? Not, not, not until, yeah, not until probably days and days later when they're starting to get, yeah, starting to get way deeper into the forensics of the whole thing. But he goes to the police station and they haven't been waiting. And at the time, you know, they just think he's a DUI. Like he's And not. I don't even know that they're going to book him at that point. No. And I think they're going to cut him loose. He's got the knife in his jacket. He's got blood on his hands. He's sitting there for hours. At some point, you got to say, hey, can I go use the bathroom Absolutely. or something? Get Absolutely. the blood off your hands. Hopefully, there's a place in there to stash the knife. And that guy behind the desk is not... He, the guy in the, behind he the desk could have walked out. out of there. Yeah. You could have easily made a trip to the restroom. The, and he had enough time there to collect his thoughts. He should have figured that out. So, also, I want to get your take on this. Um, so, John Turturro's in there dealing with some, you know, nothing criminal. The tranny? The tranny. Whatever he was in for. He, she, whatever. And he is walking out, and he sees Nas, this wide-eyed, innocent-looking little kid. And I guess he knew something was up, because that was like the high-security cell in the little right. holding area. So he goes out and he's talking to a detective and the guy says, oh, you know, he, Tuturo asks, what'd the kid do? And the guy says, oh, he cut, you know, cut a girl or something. And Tuturo, it, the impression I got is he didn't think he killed anyone. Yeah, and as much time as he spends around police stations, shouldn't he be hip to the slang by now? I mean, I guess, but... It, yeah, I think he didn't realize she was dead until he was in there talking to Nas, yeah, like much just, later in the episode. When he first said it, like I took it at face value, like, okay, Taturo knows that he's getting accused of murder, and in Taturo's head, you know, he, in his, you know, wisdom, had looked at the kid and was like, there's no way, so that's why he's going back in there. You know, he, you know, his instinct told him that kid couldn't have done it. But then, yeah, you find out later when he's talking to him, and it, you know, he finds out that the girl is dead. He's kind of like surprised. Yeah. And it's like, oh, so maybe he didn't want this big a case, and he just kind of stumbled into it. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think he thought he was he was getting into something that was more in his wheelhouse. And you see in episode two, I mean, he's got he's got a real ambulance chaser looking ad in the, in that bus, and there there's a lot of things. You know, they're doing to kind of show you he's he's more in like the Better Call Saul level of law. Than uh, yeah, than the high than the high end, uh, and, but we haven't also talked about when Nas is at the police station, his interfacings with the great my favorite character in the show right now, the great Detective Box. Oh man, that detective! And I'll tell you, he's great as like the because uh, he was definitely playing the the good cop angle. Oh yeah, and you're believe as the audience, you're believing him. You're going, yeah, Nas, do what he wants. He's he's here to help you. And then you, no, no, he's not. He's not. But he's he not was, trying to help you. He was so in it when they first are patting him down and discover the knife, and everyone else is you know freaking out and you know essentially drawn down on Nas. He's immediately in the friendly like he's not saying anything. Yeah. He's, I mean, from the get-go, he's working. No, he had his good cop routine down right from the start. Yeah. And we, we, we had a lot of questions about how that whole search and 
consent piece went down and 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 in case you're ever in that situation in case you're ever in that situation but but uh point break dave and i do actually have some friends in the law profession and we we kind of quiz them on how that whole thing went down one is a uh prominent criminal defense attorney so right in his wheelhouse right in his wheelhouse and and pretty much what he told us is what i suspected which is everything box said was not really true he said how you comply in the station house when you're brought in and whether or not you demand they get a warrant and whether or not you ask for counsel none of that comes out in trial nobody knows that the cops don't want to go through the hassle of doing it, and obviously, if they can get you to say something or get you to agree to something before your attorney's present, that helps shore up their case. But there's no downside to you. So, so pretty much the advice is if you get picked up for something, if you did it, if you didn't do it, you don't talk to anybody, you don't say anything, and you immediately say, I want to talk to my lawyer. Yeah. And, that, and that's it. And, and no matter what they tell you or, hey, this will be easier, that's all just an angle on their part to try to, to, try to get you to do what they want you to do. Yeah. It's not in your benefit. No, not at all. I mean, being being difficult as far as, yeah, just making them get warrants. I mean, obviously if you, you know, resisted in some way, that might come back on you. But just being difficult as far as questioning won't come out in court. But anything you say, you know, they'll play that a whole bunch. No, it's the, it's the classic case of there's no upside and there's maximum downside. Exactly. And, and so, yeah, if you're a good gambler or a good under, if you have a good understanding of risk and game theory, that's not a, that's not a place you want to be. No. And as we've learned from uh, making a murder or whatever, man, sometimes they'll fire quick questions and get you all uh, get yeah, you confused get you flustered. make you say things that, you know, you would never intend to say. That's why you need a pro in there with you. That's right. You need John Turturro and his... Crazy sandals. Right. To protect you from the evil detective box. That guy's in, like, I, obviously Bodie was the one I was real happy when I recognized, but you see that guy in a lot of shows. Yeah. No, there's, I, I picked up on, on a few of those, and, and even more so in, in episode two. And then, spoiler alert for episode three, I'll tell you in a second. But one other thing I wanted to say about the reverse stereotypes, and this this probably wasn't intentional, but... Bodie, great character from The Wire. Amazing. Uh, would go out of his way to make a big production about how he never talks to the cops, although he did talk to McNulty several times, but did. would go out of his way. But I do think I did think it was funny that when he's walking back uh, through when it when it has become a crime scene in front of the the uh, house, all he wants to do is talk to the cops and let them know, which is the antithesis of what what the real Bodie would have done. In public, and, and uh, I did, I did get kind of a kick out of that. E- even if it wasn't intentional, it was. It definitely struck me as funny. I just, I wanted two things to happen. One, I wanted a cutaway at some point, which was just Bodie and the the guy he was with sitting down having the wire. Did the guy that invented chicken nuggets get paid? Conversation. <laughs> I wanted that, and then at the end of the episode. I wanted him to cut to the party Nas was supposed to go to, and then it just fade right into an episode of Ballers. That's, that's what I wanted. <laughs> it could have happened. I was a little disappointed. I was really getting geared up to see what this party was going to be all about, and I kept thinking, well, surely he's going to take the girl to the party to show her how cool he is. Well, that would have been a good idea. Yeah, I mean, I figured that's, what his, that's his move, right? He gets a girl, and she's kind of into him, and she wants to hang out, and he says, well, hey, we're going to a party. We never got to find out what happened at that party, That's and that's... That's something I'm going to take to the grave, man. On the regret, uh, regret on that. 
But then the the episode kind of winds down, leaves you in suspense. We roll into episode two. Pretty early on in the episode, uh, we get to meet the uh, the girl's stepfather, who, speaking of recognizing people from other shows, is the great character Tom from the last couple of seasons of House of Cards, the um, seedy speechwriter who's b- boning the first lady. <laughs> But he he's definitely going real high to my list of suspects, and I and I'll tell you why they they brought him in to identify the body, but he doesn't want to look at it, and he makes a real big production about he want he sees a photo he doesn't want to go see the real body. There's something there's something wrong there, and the other thing is through the questioning that he gets, and and they don't in any way treat him as a suspect in the first episode, but he reveals that it's his stepdaughter. The house is technically her mother's who's disappeared that he used to be married to and that he lives in Queens, which we know from coming to America, <laughs> is not a nice place. No. That's where McDowell's is located. Yes. So, you know, you've got Tom... You can buy some real fly hygiene equipment <laughs> on the street, though. We've got Tom from House of Cards, who's a, a CD character. He's a CD actor, a CD character. He's got this stepdaughter who's mad at her mother. She's living in this really nice, expensive piece of real estate in New York. Yeah. He's living in Queens. I'm not saying that everything has to be about money, but I'm at least going to take a look at him if I'm a detective box. As uh, Glenn 311 said, follow the money, right? Hashtag follow the money. Hashtag. Well, going along with your theory, they do say uh, knives, if that's used, that's usually personal. Yeah. And uh, I think, and of course, you know, it could just be the way the person walked in. But personal, also, they usually have the head obscured so they can't see after they kill them. You know, Interesting. They'll put something over the face. Interesting. But it could also have been a random guy, and that's just how she was passed Well, out. but that many, that many stab wounds would indicate rage or some yeah. type of vindictive behavior. Yeah. It's sure. not just a, a clean hit. That's no. it. That's an interesting theory. And then, you know, the other thing that, other the kind of other big uh, plot move is that despite the gr- great efforts of John Turturro, a.k.a. Uh, Stone, was not able to avoid remand in Rikers Island for poor Nas while he awaits his trial. And that whole scene of him getting transported in the van and, you know, going from the holding area, you know, into Rikers and then that whole where they're, where they're um, walking down the stairs, you hear the, the prisoners screaming, you know, trying to kind of put the new people on edge. Like, that, that's not that I was on the fence before, but that solidified it to me. I'm never going to prison. No. Like, I will do whatever it takes. Like, if I'm in that van, I'm not coming out of that van alive. Like, I, there's no way. You'll do the, uh, back to the wire, do the D'Angelo, the first. Absolutely. Of course, he probably didn't do that himself. No, but I would, I would do it myself. The door handle yeah. in the library. Absolutely. No. It, it was, but it was, it was really, it, it moved, the, the scene moved really slow. And they, I mean, they really spent a lot of time, you know, and, and you don't know what's going to happen next, which I'm sure is what you're experiencing when you're getting booked into jail. So you're kind of living it with Nas. And I just, I thought it was just great. Just really great TV, but it was also just terrifying. I mean, absolutely terrifying. And you don't even the episode ends before he actually gets all the way into prison. Like you're you're left with him, you know, there getting booked in. So I mean, you know, Lord knows what's going to happen when he gets on the cell block. Yeah. Oh, and the, speaking of cells, 
cellular. Yeah. So yeah, a guy was trying to s- annually smuggle in a cell phone, and then they they identify it with the little X-ray machine, and the cop says, "Do you want me to go in there and get it, or do you?" And he says, "Why don't you go get it?" It just got his friends' his legs. Like, man. are you serious? And poor Nas has to watch all this. Man, at that at that point, once it's discovered, uh, yeah, you 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 take one last shot at the uh, correctional officer and make him make him do the dirty work, if no. you will. And then the correctional officer looks at Nas and says, "What are you looking at?" Well, yeah. How often does that happen? Like, of course you're gonna look at that, right? Or at least cut a glance over there. Come on, it's ridiculous. Yeah, that's. Yeah, the, <laughs> I'm with you. I'm not. I'm not going to prison, but uh, yeah, sm- smuggling a cell phone in that way is definitely the, the last thing <laughs> on my mind at that point. Yeah, I think these people had had some experience. And what I can gather from reading the uh, the synopsis of the upcoming episodes, I think, I think there's, there's, no, there's no way that's a word. Yeah, I might have added a synopsis. Synopsis. Maybe. But I think that the whole jail scene is going to play a really big... I think that's going to be a real big arc of the story. And if IMDB is to be, be believed, one of the people that he's going to run into in jail is a guy by the name of Freddy. And the actor playing the guy by the name of Freddy, better known to all of us, is Omar. Omar, Omar? Omar, Omar. Wow. <laughs> So it's a wire reunion. So it looks like, and I don't want to. I hope. I hope that uh, IMDb didn't lead me astray. It looks like we're gonna have when we get into episode three and four, we're gonna have Omar to look forward Man, to in jail with Nas. The the show, yeah. I mean, both both episodes have been. I mean, the way episode one was shot, you didn't know what was gonna happen, but you were kind of. I don't know, I guess it was kind of shot where you're kind of a more knowing third party because it's showing you, you know, all the things that right. are in time to right. it. And then two being, you know, you're just completely in the dark of what's going to happen yeah. next and kind of living it with him. Yeah. Yeah, it, I mean, it's just, it's been fantastic on, on all all fronts. So is there any way we're going to be able to talk Glenn into catching up on this so when we uh, when we reconvene for episode 14, we could at least continue this dialogue? I would hope so. I mean, it seems like a show you'd be into, and I mean, honestly, you should be watching it right now because there's not a whole lot to do where he's vacationing. So yeah, and uh, and he might learn a new way to carry his cell phone around too. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, he can learn about uh, you know, what to uh, do if he's ever in prison, and basically avoid all questioning because. Of the three of us, he's the most likely to find himself in that scenario. Yeah, in fact, uh, it's not rule, let's not rule it out before the next episode. That's true. We need to uh, inter- introduce him to our, our lawyer friends. We've got... This would probably be a good place to go ahead and cut episode 13, but Glenn, Glenn has been teasing for weeks now that he's got big stories from his high school reunion, which I think we talked about the last time we were together. Oh, I have not... Uh, I... Honestly, forgot that it happened already. Well, he won't even tell me because he he wants to save it for the show, and he's he's been real excited to to bring that. And then, you know, we're gonna get what if what if his story is he met a girl, went back to her place, and then found her brutally murdered, and just ran. Yeah, and he just really doesn't want to watch the show because it's just like PTSD yeah. for him. 
I don't think Glenn drives a cab or would be driving a cab though. Maybe he's driving the awesome Dong or the awesome Kong. <laughs> the I said awesome that wrong. But we got that to look forward to. Man, we got the Olympics starting in a couple of weeks. We're gonna have lots of good, lots of good content there. Hopefully, get Glenn on board with the show. And then you know, obviously, continue our talks with Renaissance Center about getting sponsorship to to really take our uh, our podcast up to the next level. I I think it's it's imminent. I mean, they're they're gonna want to be part of this. They're gonna see the great PR work you did for them today, having their back, and they're there's, gonna they're gonna want to reward you in some way for the work you did today. There's no doubt. Whoever Renaissance Center's PR department is, I did more for them today than they have. In the last year, <laughs> I'll go ahead and say it. I'm actually, you know, I'm gonna find on LinkedIn and just find who it is and just just send them a note. You're welcome. You should send them an invoice. I should count up mentions. Social, yeah, social media consultant. A lot of those guys that you were dealing with today had a lot of a lot of followers. That's gonna increase the reach. There's no doubt, and everything I said was glowing reviews of Renaissance and the. Uh, the service they provide. And I saw you invented a new, maybe it's not new, new to me, a new acronym, RTO, Rent to Own. Oh no, that's well, that's well versed. Okay, because when you're dealing, when you're dealing with 140 characters, you gotta, you can't, you can't waste, waste space on spelling out Rent to Own, so you just go with RTO. Yes. It could be the only way to live is also another way to say Rent to Own, but that's (laughs) more characters, so. You just go with the, you just go with the acronym. All right, well, in that case, we're going to go ahead and uh, say goodnight. And, you know, depending on probation and some other things, hopefully uh, Glenn will be able to join us. Software version 7.0 Looking at life through the eyes of a tire hub